Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Pacific Century, the Hoover Institution's podcast on America, China, and the Pacific in the 21st century. I'm joined by my partner in crime, Misha Oslin, a fellow at the Hoover Institution. Misha, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. John, do you, do you hear a difference in me today? Can you can you can you hear the difference? I don't know how you sound, but you look beautiful today, Misha. What are you doing with your hair? You got to use some I, new shampoo. But no, 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 you do sound marvelous. like a 1950s disc jockey. What is going on? This is after it only took a year and a half, but Scott finally told me how to use this fantastic meteor mic, and I have a new boom arm so this is like a professional setup now this is this is this is the way it should have been from the beginning so we're actually going to retape every episode but before we do that we have a a truly special guest tonight and we are honored to have the defense minister of japan taro kono uh taro kono and we're going to get right into the conversation because we have so much to talk about, uh, is an eight-term member of the House of Representatives. Uh, he's been Minister of Defense since, ironically, September 11th of 2019. Uh, perhaps most notably before this, he was also the Foreign Minister of Japan, making him one of the few people to have held both the foreign and defense uh, portfolios for Japan. But he's had a whole bunch of, of different uh, jobs as well, all at the top levels of Japanese government, chairman of the National Public Safety Commission, uh, minister in charge of the National Police Organization, minister for administrative reform, civil service reform, and the like. Uh, he's just held a whole roster of, uh, of top positions that have really focused both on domestic affairs, such as disaster management, uh, as well as, of course, the foreign and security uh, affairs. Most importantly, John, uh, Defense Minister Kono is a graduate of the School of Foreign Service at Georgetown University, which is makes him and me college mates, uh, not in the same years, but uh, we are alums of Georgetown, where he spent uh, a number of years and so is really well known to so many in the United States. Well, we are thrilled to welcome the Defense Minister of Japan, Taro Kono, who is an old friend of mine and a friend of so many of us in the United States. He is joining us on the Pacific Century. Mr. Defense Minister, welcome. Thank you very much. Good well, good morning here, but uh, is it good evening there? Good evening in yes. D.C. and uh, almost and night in California. here. Ah. So we want to jump right into it because there's a there's a great deal to talk about, and uh, we know your time is is precious. So we'd we'd like to start um, by reflecting a little bit on uh, the the tenure of Prime Minister Abe, who has been in office now since 2012, and particularly his record on defense. Um, would you be able to share with us how Japan's military strategy has developed under Prime Minister Abe in response to the changes that are ongoing in the Indo-Pacific? Okay. Uh, when LDP came back to the power in 2012 with Prime Minister Abe, I think he was very quick to re-establish a good relationship between Japan and United States. I think the relationship was somewhat deteriorated under the 
previous uh, DSG government, but uh, I think we have now a very good relationship with the United States. Also, uh, I think he worked hard to re-establish a good relationship with China. Uh, Xi Jinping, Chairman Xi Jinping was supposed to visit Japan as a state guest, but uh, because of the COVID-19, it's being postponed. And uh, under the Abe government, uh, we set up first national security strategy, and uh, we created the National Security Council. So now we can coordinate uh, internally uh, among uh, defense, foreign affairs, uh, prime minister's office. I think it's a big step forward. Uh, we also set up a national defense program guideline uh, in 2018. So we are uh, thinking about uh, future. Also, there's a, a historic uh, peace and security uh, legislation under the uh, under Prime Minister. So now Japan and the United States could uh, cooperate uh, from the sort of a gray zone situation to uh, whatever seamlessly. So we uh, have a very uh, stable, forward-looking relationship with the United States, and uh, Self-Defense Force has uh, established the Space Operations Squadron so we are now putting more resource in new domains such as space, cyberspace, electromagnetic field, and uh, we are trying to uh, catch up the capability in those fields as well. And what is the, the ways in which the, uh, the Japan Self-Defense Forces have modernized themselves uh, over the past decade, uh, the new types of equipments and capability. It's, it's a very different Japanese military in some ways than it was when Prime Minister Abe came into power. Well, we are now procuring uh, F-35, and we are modernizing a fighter jet. Uh, F-15 is uh, going to be modernized. We are uh, start thinking about uh, developing new FX fighter jet. So uh, for the air, um, I think we are trying to modernize it. Uh, we have, we're going to have eighth Aegis uh, destroyer next year. And uh, I think it's a very formidable fleet we have. And uh, we also have a Aegis capability against the North Korean missiles. Unfortunately, we had to cancel uh, Aegis ashore program. But uh, we are still uh, ready for our ballistic missile defense with Aegis Destroyer and uh, Pac-3. One of the, the reasons that um, the defense development program was, was undertaken, of course, was the rise of China, the, the changes in the, the regional security environment. And for most of us watching in America, we've we've seen the the challenge that Japan has faced in uh, the the uh, East China Sea with uh, the Senkakus and and the Sea of Japan area, of course. So, uh, could you talk a little bit on how Tokyo has been dealing with repeated? Chinese incursions into the Senkakus, how you've been defending the islands, and, and honestly, how you're going to be able to continue to do that given the, the, the growing uh, aggressiveness of, of Chinese forces. 
Okay. Uh, I think it started out 2012 under the uh, DPJ uh, government, uh, when DPJ government purchased uh, Senkaku Island from private owner. Uh, I think that's what started this uh, thing. Uh, now Chinese uh, ships uh, continuously coming into uh, area around the Senkaku Island and uh, our Coast Guard uh, uh, sort of uh, watching and uh, defending uh, Senkaku Island. Uh, on top of that, uh, Air Self-Defense Force uh, has been continuously scrambling against the Chinese fighter jets or Chinese bomber uh, that's coming uh, towards the Japanese territorial space. Uh, last year alone, uh, there were over 600 cases uh, where our self-defense force had to scramble against the Chinese uh, aircraft. So they are trying to change the status quo by force, and uh, we have to uh, defend our territory and territorial space and water. China has been increasing their defense budget tremendously. Last, I mean, for the last 30 years, their defense spending has increased 44-fold. Last 10 years, uh, their defense budget uh, more than doubled. And that's what they have made public. And there, there must be some defense spending uh, they are not uh, making public. So we need to uh, make some kind of game change. You know, we spend five trillion yen a year on defense, but China spend four times as much uh, every year, and their capability is growing. And because of the, our budget constraint, we cannot really uh, expand our defense spending as fast as China. So we need to think about the way how we can uh, match their capability. And if we're going to do the same thing, we're not going to be able to uh, overcome. So we are considering new technology, new game changer. And uh, how are we going to do that? I think we need to work with the United States. We need to apply new technology to uh, defense and uh, change the game plan totally. That's how we're going to match uh, their uh, military expansion. And just to clarify for our listeners, 5 trillion yen is, is $50 billion U.S., correct? Yep. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you. Well, Minister, uh, this is John Yu in uh, Berkeley. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I had a question to uh, follow up on your last response about uh, some kind of game-changing uh, military posture or technologies. What about the role of alliances, Japan's increasing cooperation with other countries in the region, like Australia and India? Uh, is that going to continue? Do you ever see a time where there might be formal self-defense arrangements or alliances with more and more countries like Australia and India and maybe others in the region? And uh, how would the, that cooperation, what kind of form would it take? 
Uh, right now, Japan, U.S., Australia, uh, trilaterally, we are uh, working very closely to keep the stability in this region. And uh, I think we need to work with uh, countries uh, around the South China Sea. Uh, maybe we need to work with India as well. If China try to break the international rules, I think international society need to force them to pay high cost for that, including the reputation cost. So the international uh, society need to work together and see if any country trying to change the status quo by force or any country trying to act against the international rules, I think we need to force them to go back to the uh, go back to the norm. So to follow up on that, Mr. Minister, uh, uh, John asked about other alliances uh, and nascent alliances, such as Australia uh, and India and, and the like. Um, but of course, you mentioned in your your prior response the most important alliance that Japan has, which is the United States, and, and mm -hmm. your your call for it to be further deepened uh, beyond where it is, which is probably next to Britain and Canada and Israel. You know, it, it's in the very top tier of alliances. Um, but there are some issues that have been outstanding and outstanding for a while. One of them, of course, is uh, the Futenma replacement facility down in Okinawa, uh, the Marines fixed wing uh, uh, base that we want to move out of a very populated area to a less mm -hmm. populated area. What is the status of that, and, and how confident are you that that will be uh, resolved soon? Okay, we are moving forward with uh, Futema uh, relocation plan. Uh, we are now uh, reclaiming the land, and uh, I think for well, it will take next nine years. Uh, we're going to complete the uh, airfield so we can move out of Futema to uh, Camp Schwab. Uh, the government, governments of Japan and the United States are determined to uh, move forward with this plan. So uh, I think it will take some time, uh, but I think it is necessary to uh, provide the safety of uh, people around the Futema airbase. So, uh, sorry, I don't know if you wanted to follow up on that, Misha, but let me jump in here uh, with a question. Uh, it goes back again to this, uh, the your response about the rise of China, it's uh, sort of accelerating expenditure on military programs. Um, putting aside the amounts, Mr. Minister, Mr. Minister, how does Japan, or do you think Japan is still able to uh, retain a qualitative advantage over China in terms of military systems? Uh, we need to keep investing uh, in our military system. Uh, I think uh, in terms of uh, money, the financially, uh, we're not going to be able to match uh, Chinese expansion. Uh, so the key is uh, we need to continue to uh, invest in technology, uh, not only the military technology, but uh, sort of a dual use uh, technology need to be applied to the military into the future. Um, it's been, uh, you know, something big, expensive, powerful, 
uh, that's where you have been investing. But from now on, we need to invest in much cheaper, smaller, and quicker and you know equipment and we need uh volume uh with it so i think the military strategy into the future will uh change the course uh we don't need something big and expensive we need something smaller quicker and probably not uh controlled by human maybe we need to apply artificial intelligence in those equipment so it hopefully it will be a game change Yes, so you see uh, advantages or uh, advantages to switching to more uh, smaller, cheaper, autonomous units. Uh, people in the United States have been studying this as well. Um, what about cyber? You mentioned space as well. What about mm -hmm. cyber? Do you see uh, Japanese advantages in cyber over China and whether that's another area where Japan might uh, put more resources into research and development and ultimately deployment? Mm -hmm. Well, frankly speaking, we need to invest more in uh, cyber. I think China, Russia, North Korea, uh, they have much bigger uh, cyber force. And the uh, self-defense force is building up uh, cyber force, but uh, um, frankly speaking, we are lagging behind. So we need to invest uh, in this uh, field. Uh, and uh, we need to work with United States, NATO, and other countries. I don't, I don't think uh, Japan or United States uh, could uh, stand alone against China. I think we all need to get together, work together, and invest uh, in technology together. Uh, to check the expansion of a Chinese military. So one of the other uh, problems, of course, major problems that Japan faces, one of the threats is, is North Korea. And, and you mentioned North Korea is one of the, the primary cyber uh, predators that is out there, whether they're working with China or they have some level of, um, you know, some level of, of cooperation. Uh, but for Japan, it, it, it very much is an existential problem. Uh, threat, the threat of ballistic missiles, the threat of nuclear missiles. Um, Tokyo has watched over the past uh, decade plus now, almost you know, decade and a half, as the North Koreans have become, in essence, a, a nuclear-capable power. Um, how do you assess the North Korean nuclear and missile threat today? Uh, is are they continuing to develop? Are they getting better? Have they? plateaued and reached a, just a certain level, um, is it more dangerous than it was four years uh, ago? Yeah, definitely. They have acquired new technology now. So the danger is real, and we need to prepare for it. And uh, they have acquired new technology. So not only we need to build up uh, deterrence by... Uh, Aegis system. I think U.S., Japan, you know, this alliance need to uh, work together so that we can deter North Korea from shooting missile to begin with. We are not quite sure what's really going on in North Korea. Uh, there are a lot of talks about uh, Kim Jong-un's health, uh, coronavirus uh, maybe spreading in North Korea. Uh, there are 
harvest last year was quite bad, and they had a flood. Uh, so their economic situation is quite bad. So there are a lot of issues, and uh, we are not quite sure what's really going on. So we need to be prepared for some kind of contingency in North Korea. So we really need to keep an eye on uh, the peninsula. Can I ask you just a, a quick follow-up on that? Um, in the United States, of course, we're continually surprised by what happens in North Korea. We we think we know where it's going, and then they pull a rabbit out of the hat, as we would say, and they do something that is utterly unexpected. Um, how confident are you being right next to North Korea with a very long relationship that um, Japan has has good sources of information? Do you have better sources than the United States? Or are you, are you able to um, maybe not peer from the sky as well, but look uh, from the ground inside? How do you get your information about North Korea? Well, we get information just like the United States does. So we always compare our notes and uh, we try to figure out what's really going on. Uh, sometimes we hear from China. I think they have better source, uh, but uh, China even doesn't fully understand what's going on in North Korea. So it's enigma, but uh, we need to pay more attention to it and uh, try not to be surprised by their move. So, Mr. Minister, uh, throughout the conversation, of course, China has come up. In fact, you just mentioned it in reference to North Korea. Um, what you Before this job, of course, you were the foreign minister of Japan and probably one of the few who's actually served as both foreign and defense ministers. Um, what is the, the overall state of the uh, China-Japan relationship. Japan, of course, has made numerous outreaches under Prime Minister Abe and, and others to improve relations. Uh, they've often been rebuffed. Um, what, what is the state of relations between Japan and China today? Are you confident? Do you see them worsening or are they stable? How should we in the United States understand this most important of Indo-Pacific Asian relationships? Well, our relationship with China is multi-layered, uh, political, uh, security, economy, and uh, now a lot of tourists uh, visiting Japan. Well, before COVID-19, a lot of Chinese tourists came to Japan. So it's a really multi-layered uh, relationship. Uh, economy has been uh, really good. Um, there are so many, I mean, 20 million Chinese people visiting Japan a year, something like that. And uh, two years that I served as, uh, served as a foreign minister, I think the relationship has improved drastically. And uh, at, the, uh, at the end of the day, uh, the prime minister invited uh, Chairman Xi Jinping uh, to Japan as a state guest, and he was uh, supposed to uh, visit Japan this spring, but because of the COVID-19, it had to be postponed. Um, but in terms of uh, security, as I mentioned, there's an issue around Senkaku, then uh, Chinese fighter jet trying to violate the territorial airspace, 
uh, that have been done continuously. And we are very uh, worried about the situation in Hong Kong. Uh, two system in one country is now totally gone. And the Japanese company have uh, very much invested in Hong Kong because it had a free system and a stable economy. Uh, now the investment ha uh, is uh, threatened. And then we see what's going on in South China Sea or the border between China and India. So we have to say that China has intention to change the status quo. And they have capability, uh, military capability to do that. So we need to be very careful about it. And uh, as defense minister, I've been sending signal to China. Uh, I cannot speak for entire government, but as a defense minister, uh, China is becoming uh, more than cons just a concern. Uh, China is uh, becoming a threat to uh, Japanese security situation. So we may have to reconsider uh, the state visit even after COVID-19. So uh, the economy, I mean, the business relationship is still quite strong. Uh, many Japanese companies are investing in China, and they're going into Chinese market. And uh, for tourism industry in Japan, Chinese tourists are good customers. But uh, things are changing because of the COVID-19. So we need to think about what's going to happen post-corona uh, uh, era. And uh, at the same time, uh, thinking about the security uh, situation, uh, we need to uh, think about uh, think about the future relationship between China and the rest of the world. We have been speaking with European countries, and now they are seeing uh, some uh, concerns about Chinese investment in high tech industry. Uh, China's uh, Belt and Road Initiative, and uh, many countries borrowed money quite heavily from China, and countries like Sri Lanka, Laos, uh, Vanuatu, and you know some other countries are not able to pay back the loan. So China has been taking over the infrastructure, and that is a threat to those countries as well as to the region. So we really need to. Uh, get together and think about how we're going to create the relationship with uh, communist regime in China. Well, one of the, the key things that you've uh, mentioned throughout this, of course, is the, the role of the United States and the alliance. And so a final question, a wrap-up question, is really from the view of Tokyo, despite the depth of the alliance, which which I think is in some ways the best shape it's been in uh, maybe ever, and the very close relationship between uh, Prime Minister Abe and, and President Trump. We may have a new president uh, in, in January uh, if Vice, former Vice President Biden wins, or we'll have a second Trump administration. But in either case, uh, clearly the alliance will continue as a priority. Nonetheless, what what should Washington be doing, or what is the United States not doing that um, that Tokyo would like to see precisely in relation to these sets of challenges of China as well as North Korea that you've just talked about? 
Well, one thing I would like to mention is TPP, Trans-Pacific Partnership. Uh, it was an uh, American idea, and uh, it was to create uh, rules, uh, not just for trade, but uh, uh, investment, uh, labor, environment. It was trying to create the new rules for the uh Indo-Pacific, and U.S., Japan uh, were to take leadership in rulemaking. So uh, it, it cost LDP, it cost us politically, but we thought it was very important. So we pay some co political cost, we spend uh, political capital, but we decided to join TPP. Negotiations went quite well, and uh, just when we had it, uh, the United States left TPP, and uh, we are hoping that U.S. would come back to TPP so we can set new rules for uh, Indo-Pacific. I think it's very, very important. And, uh, in, you know, on top of that, we are hoping that U.S. would come back to the international organization, international agreement, like WHO, the Paris Agreement. I think we need American leadership uh, to shape the world in post-corona era. Uh, we need to sit down among U.S., Japan, Europe, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, other democratic countries, other countries trying to uh, become democratic. And uh, we always count on uh, American leadership. So whoever going to live in the White House next year, uh, we hope United States would come back as a global leader once again. And uh, we all need to work together to shape the world. Oh, Mr. Kono, thank you very much. We've come to the end of their time. Uh, thank you so much for sharing some of your precious time with us. And I'd like to uh, thank you on behalf of myself and my friend Misha Oslin uh, for joining us on the Pacific Century podcast. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much. Looking forward to see you guys in Tokyo, <laughs> hopefully soon. <laughs> Absolutely. John has to be taken out to the best Tokyo restaurants. That's really no, the goal no. of this of, of this podcast. I, I just want to watch some Olympic events. That's all I'm interested in. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you Thank very you. much. Bye-bye. This podcast has been a production of the Hoover Institution, where we advance ideas that define a free society. For more information about our work and to hear more of our podcasts or see our video content, please visit hoover.org.